0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Come debut on. grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast ball, Grill Cafe Lounge on
1: the water. Hello everyone and welcome back we'll to another new episode new new of, of the Terry Talks Podcast. Five I'm one of your hosts, Clayton Terry. I'm Ryan Terry. I'm Ethan Terry. And as you can tell from the title, this episode we are going to be discussing Avengers Endgame and Game of Thrones Season 8 and kind of. What these two franchises coming to a close can teach us spoilers for all of game of thrones and every mcu movie including avengers endgame um we are actually recording this minutes after watching the finale so all of our thoughts are very fresh we haven't had time to discuss really how we feel except for uh what we're about to do with this podcast so there you go spoilers and the outline Um, I figured we would go around and say kind of what each of these franchises means to us and how we felt about the last installation in each of them. So how we felt about Endgame and then maybe Season 8 as a whole. Let's go around and start with the MCU first. Ethan, would you like to talk about what the MCU means to you? Yeah, I can start. MCU, so Iron Man came out when I was seven and
2: it's always just been cool. Like, that's the only way I could describe it. All of Avengers is just cool. I love every character. Like, even the biggest missteps, I think, in Avengers, or in the MCU timeline, is like Thor and Thor the Dark World. And even those, I still like. Go watch our MCU podcast. Those characters mean a lot to me, and mostly because I love the story structure and the themes of superhero movies, superhero narratives, and I think... They do a great job of fulfilling that desire or that interest in those type of narratives, but also making them relatable, funny, and sometimes have like deeper thematic purpose. And I think all the MCU has done that, and we're going to talk about how it ended, but so far, MCU has done a great job.
1: How did you feel about Endgame, like, real quick? Was it satisfying for you?
2: Yeah, it was satisfying. It hit
1: every mark it needed to.
0: Um, So I, again, Iron Man came out when we were, like, seven. Yeah. I don't remember a time in my life where the Marvel movies didn't exist. Mm, Yeah. The Marvel movies are such a foundation for how I understand storytelling and film, especially. And that's not to say that superhero movies are my favorite kind of film. Because I don't think they are, but they definitely influence every aspect of my thinking when it comes to storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm love the Marvel Cinematic Universe very much. I can be sometimes harsher than the other two people in the podcast <laughs> regarding them. I hate the Thor, the first two Thor movies. I hated Ant Man the Wasp. I was not kind to Captain Marvel, but overall, they have given me feelings that no story has ever given me
1: mm-hmm.
0: partly because of how much it's tied into my understanding of media mm-hmm. and partly because they're just great stories. Mm-hmm. They it's just such an effective storytelling device to break up these to break it up into chapters like how graphic novels are. It's I don't it's a miracle that it worked out.
1: and endgame was also Endgame
0: strong. was fantastic. I don't know if it was as good movie like based On a standalone movie, I think I like Infinity War more. Okay. But as a culmination of everything that this franchise is, I think Endgame is the perfect ending. I absolutely loved it. Um, There were parts in that moment where I screamed. (laughs) I became a a movie clapper, (laughs) but I never thought that would happen. And I I loved it so much. I'll never experience anything like that again, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys both started with when this franchise started for you um you guys were seven i was 10 when we saw iron man um, we saw it in theaters and i remember a couple days later mom being like did you know there's a post credit scene at the end and we watched it and she was like what does this mean i was like i don't know i, I don't know what all this is because i was 10 i wasn't that big into comic books before the movies um and then yeah they've been pretty ubiquitous since then uh, i've seen every movie at least once in the mcu all of which were in theaters except the incredible hulk and I think I don't think I saw those in theaters but I've seen them I I think I've seen all of them in theaters really? yeah wow Um, and like you were saying Ryan um, there have been ones I wasn't crazy about but in general I love I like truly love probably half of them and 75% I really had fun and in terms of Endgame I think it was the perfect culmination for this franchise I wrote about it in my review on Letterboxd um, but I, I, just think it was perfect because these m- movies, like on a meta level, they almost like aren't even movies to me anymore. Like Spider-Man means more than just what we've seen on screen. It means like us growing up and playing those plug and play games that we used to and like oh, yeah. wearing our Spider-Man oh, pajamas mm-hmm. and like getting to see all these movies in the theaters with my friends in college and then discuss them in the car right afterwards. This These movies are so much more than movies to me. They're how I learned about storytelling. They're how I made friends in college. They're how I related to you guys and other family rem- members. And that's a lot to rest on the shoulders of a franchise. Mm-hmm. And Endgame concluded it perfectly.
0: I mean, as an example, Guardians is my favorite, easily, yeah. out of all the, event, all, all the Marvel movies. And I can't listen to Cat Stevens yeah. or... The Jackson 5 or any of the artists in the movie the same way now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Ain't No Mountain High Enough is the song from Guardians yeah. 1. Is the end song from Guardians 1. Father and Son is the end song of Guardians 2. Mm-hmm. They're so ingrained in my mind. Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah. You know?
1: Or the uh, opening one that has like, that's plays during kind oh, of get your love. Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, the MCU is so, you
2: talked about how it's so woven into your uh, understanding of film. And I think it's like even greater than that uh, for all of us. I think it's woven into our understanding of our like lives, which sounds like corny, but like it's yeah. true. And uh, I think it's impressive that I attached, it, or it's rewarding that I attach myself to a franchise that is actually satisfying and fulfilling. Like a lot of people can like Transformers as a kid. Yeah, a lot of people can like the Fast and Furious movies. TMNT, you can like all these different franchises and yeah, MCU has its missteps, but I think overall no one argues that the MCU is bad content. Like I I would be, ha- I would be more than happy showing my kids one day these movies. Yeah. And I think that's why the MCU is so great.
1: I'm so grateful to have had Captain America as a role model growing up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what these movies can teach, its younger viewers, and also its older viewers, I would argue, are really like powerful, important messages. And I think that is another reason they transcend just superhero movies. Yeah. I guess Game of Thrones would be next. Ethan, I hate to start with you, but you are most likely. Do you not want us to start with you? I don't want to start. <laughs> I'll start. I'll start. Um, Game of Thrones, I started binging it right before season six aired. Um, I ended up watching Battle of the Bastards and Winds of Winter, which are two of my favorite episodes of TV ever. Um, I would throw Ozymandias from Breaking Bad up there, too, and Feline on the last one. So it always goes between those four, but those are basically perfect episodes. I watched those a couple weeks after they ended up airing. Um, My favorite seasons are four and six, but I absolutely loved one through six. I love those first six seasons. Uh, Season seven, I enjoyed watching in the moment, but then... As I talked about it more, I... <laughs> Ethan has his hand in his, his head in his hands. Um, as I talked about it more and analyzed the storytelling, I it really lost it for me. In season eight, um, just on an episode-by-episode episode basis, because there's only six, um, I thought one was okay. Episode two is one of my favorite of all time. Um, Night of the Seven Kingdoms, I believe that one's called. Yep. yep. And then uh, Battle of Winterfell, I actually kind of liked. Four. Uh, four, five, and I guess six are probably three of my least favorite episodes of the whole show. Four is probably my least favorite episode of the whole show. I think that episode was pretty fucking horrible. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that's where I land. <laughs>
0: I'll go now since we're building up to Ethan. I guess uh, so. I got At least we're it, building up to something. Yeah, that's, true, that's <laughs> and, true. You'll be disappointed with my reaction. The setup's good, but the payoff. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesus. <laughs> so I started watching Game of Thrones after Ethan all but begged me to after season six. And I watched season one and two, one and like half of two with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a slow process getting through him since I'm really bad at watching TV shows. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. They shocked me, even at points where I thought I couldn't be shocked because yeah. pop, it was kind of woven into pop culture at that point. But um, I once Blackwater happened... I was completely hooked on the show. I finished in like three or four days. It was, it was bad. Really? After yeah, cause, that? Yeah, because I would put them, the hardest thing about TV shows is like the nice thing about a place, the PlayStation, I watched them on the PlayStation HBO app and it just plays the next episode for you. <laughs> and so like I didn't have time to get up and do anything, you know? So I just sat there and absorbed it. Yeah. And I had the first episode I watched was the second episode of season seven. And I thoroughly enjoyed everything. Again, four and six favorite seasons, Winds of Winter. I ran into Ethan's room afterwards and I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. And I, I loved it. Um, no TV show. Like, it's really hard for TV shows to get me. Game of Thrones 100% got me. And. Um,
2: it's probably one of two
0: shows that have gotten you. Yeah, that's. <laughs> like, fair. two mo- yeah. two
2: shows recently that weren't, like.
0: Yeah. Kids' shows. So yeah. Like, and, and Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood is a perfect example of <laughs> Game of Thrones done right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> the. um... I had. What was I talking about? Oh, season seven. I got in second episode, of season seven. Really, really enjoying everything leading up to it. When
1: you say got in, that means when you started watching week by week, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: When I watched it with you guys. Yeah. And um, I enjoyed season seven watching it. I, I understood its flaws, but it didn't lose me. Yeah. I was. I could have been. I was going into this season. I was completely bought in. I was very excited for what they were going to do. And then halfway through, I kind of declared fan bankruptcy and was like, I'm going to enjoy it no matter what happens. And I think it's pretty consistent that way in the sense that I didn't make predictions. I didn't. I had predictions going into it. They were all wrong. And I was like, I got to stop. I just want to win my death pool. And so I had, um, yeah, I declared fan bankruptcy. I was. So I'm I'm not I'm not unhappy, but it could have been a lot better.
1: Ethan. What do you love about Game of Thrones? Uh, the
2: finale. <laughs> uh, no, I. I'm gonna try my best to convey my love for Game of Thrones in only a couple of minutes. But I started watching the show. I started. I started before season six aired, so I binge watched seasons one through five, and I was in my freshman year of high school, and I watched. Every, like, I started the first episode, fell in love, and watched every episode I could, every minute I could, on my cracked iPhone 4 screen, and I imagine Clayton remembers me before, like, before school, like, the five minutes I had before school, about to get on, or about to drive to school, I'm watching it on my iPhone 4, loving every
0: minute of it. Do you think that contributed to your your loss of eyesight? I think it was worth it. Well... (laughs) I used to think it was worth it
2: after tonight, (laughs) maybe not so, but I, so I binge watched one through five in as quick as I could in any free time I had, I fell in love. I watched tons of Game of Thrones content, still do like weekly, week by week. I'm watching all Shift X, bald move TV and a bunch of other things that probably the average viewer doesn't watch. And I'm constantly theorizing. I... Have a huge Stark banner. I think you gave me. Yeah. In my room, a blanket. Yeah, I have a Westeros blanket. I am short of re- actually reading the books, which I think I'm going to do now. I uh, am as super fan as one can be. That being said, <laughs> 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 I think Battle of the Bastards and Winds of Winter, the end of Winds of Winter with Daenerys coming to Westeros, is peak setup. For what I thought was going to be the greatest climax to anything ever. And then I started season seven. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't like this. And then I i never hated it. And then I started watching season eight. And I was like, I don't like this too. But I don't hate it. And that includes up to the bells. I like, watched the bells. And even though the Daenerys flipped, I wasn't... Crazy about it. I imagine we'll talk about it later. But this last episode has completely turned me around. And I am frustrated beyond belief. Lost for words. I just... I am not satisfied with what has happened.
0: We don't even know the title of the episode. I imagine
2: it's a dream for spring. But Dan and D.B. could do whatever they want right now. And I'm
1: going to be mad about it. Isn't it David and D.B.? Oh, yeah.
2: Because
1: yeah. I've always said Dan and DB, and until this episode, yeah, I realized yeah. that Dan is it's DB. David Benioff and DB Weiss, yeah. Because I was getting, I was thinking for the podcast, I'm like, I'm going to say David and Dan, because I think Dan and DB is Dan Dan. <laughs> that just sounds better. It does. So why did Endgame work for us, or Season 8 of Game of Thrones failed? I think, I was thinking this while
2: watching uh, this last episode, whatever it will be called, the reasons why Endgame worked and Game of Thrones didn't, I think is, for us fans, is for one huge reason. I think when we are watching all the MCU movies, when we're watching all the seasons of Game of Thrones, we either consciously or subconsciously create theories, ideas of how it's going to end. And for both of them, I create, I, like, I have thought of a hundred different ways It could end with, with, and uh, for each character, that comes to each character, each, every little open plot in each of the franchises. And I think Avengers chose one of that 100. And not saying like I predicted everything that happened in Avengers, but, you know, Tony Stark making the sacrifice Mm -hmm. and uh, Captain America living out his life with Peggy is. Not something out of out of the realm of reality or the realm of my consciousness to create for these characters because I've seen the movies, I've seen the setup. Game of Thrones, on the other hand, did something I did not predict, and for this reason, I wasn't even repel like I wasn't even repelled by this last episode, and I definitely wasn't
1: happy. I just felt nothing. I felt nothing at all. I I think it's different than that. I think everything with Endgame felt earned. People asked why didn't Captain America say Avengers Assemble in the Avengers because he hadn't earned it yet. Why couldn't Captain America pick up Thor's hammer in Avengers and Age of Ultron because that movie was bad? Okay, <laughs> because he wasn't worthy at that moment. I don't know exactly what made him worthy in Endgame. Maybe the fact that he was he learned that sacrifice. Was necessary and important. You could theorize about that forever. Or he but these moments, a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> these moments felt earned. Every single one of them. And they had the same amount of setup as Game of Thrones did in theory. Game of Thrones started in 2013, I believe, or 2011. And Avengers came out in 2012. But Game of Thrones set F you to character development and set up once mm-hmm. season seven, arguably, but definitely season eight started. I'm not against the idea of Daenerys turning evil. I'm not against the idea of Jamie going back to Cersei. I'm not against John going back to the night's watch. I'm against the fact that they didn't set any of this up.
2: Yeah.
1: And This point has been made on other podcasts, mainly a cast of kings, but yes, Daenerys turning evil was foreshadowed, but that was not developed. The fucking, the most developing they did was in previously on Game of Thrones the week before. And that is not how you tell a story.
0: They rushed. I think they knew it. Mm -hmm. They were offered 10 episodes and I don't know why they didn't take it, but there could have been a lot of breathing room. To set this up, they long night itself could have been three episodes. Yeah, the bells could have been a few episodes. Yeah, you know battles are not something that are very stressed in Game of Thrones, and the earlier seasons, the thing that makes those wars so engaging is you see all the background stuff about it. You see how many militia, how many soldiers there are. You're told that you are told the stakes of the battle, and some of the battles, Tyrion passes out and yep. you miss the entire battle and you come back and it's, su- it's really engaging because that is the best part of the show is the behind the scenes of everything that is going on. Episodes like the bells, especially, and possibly beyond the wall could have benefited heavily from that. Yeah. That, yeah, I know it's just because George R. R Martin hates writing battles, yeah. but. Battles are hard in a book. Battles are very hard. Plus they're
2: boring. Like- mm-hmm. I think dialogue's more exciting, uh, narratively, visually a battle like with Mikhail
1: Sapochnik behind the camera, yeah. a battle can yeah. be very compelling. That's another good point to bring up because you bring up Sapochnik. Everything with this last season was on point except for the writing, in my opinion. Yeah. I've always been incredibly hard on Amelia Clark. I think she's an incredible person. She's very charming and funny in real life. I don't I didn't think she was an incredible actress, and then I saw what she was doing in the bells. And I was absolutely blown away. She was giving, she was given nothing to work with, and I imagine that fucked her up because this character means a lot to her. Like it means a lot to us, and she was able to convey that switch pretty well. You look at the directing, um, Sopoginik and Nutter when he did *Knight uh, of the Seven Kingdoms*, and they know their stuff. Yeah, like even yeah. David
2: and DP did well directing, like directing throughout this. Yeah,
1: the shot of the very wide of. John and the dragon letting her, uh-huh. yeah. him pass. Or John holding Danny's as she takes her last breath with the Iron Throne in the background. Like so many beautiful shots. Uh-huh. And the acting and the editing. Everything is on point except for what is being said and what is happening. <laughs> Can I give a quick shout out to R-
2: Ramin Jawadi? I think the most yeah. talented person working on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Easily. That, I, yeah, the whole score of the whole fucking show was so great.
0: Much better than Marvel, so Game of Thrones gets a the point there.
1: Uh, I like the Marvel theme al- or the Avengers theme a lot. I, mean, I me think too, I think but... Marvel has done a 180 on that. You think so? Yeah. When was the last time their music was bad? I think Captain Marvel. I think a lot a of theme, their... I, I don't, don't think, think it's they're... as good as Ramy but I do think.
0: He's good. I think a lot of their music is forgettable. I think maybe the only things that aren't forgettable for me are the Black Panther soundtrack, isn't very forgettable, and um, all the, Aven- the Avengers theme. And probably the individual themes of each character, but not all the rest of the music. I don't think that's very memorable. Whereas I can, the music in Winds of Winter or anytime the Night King shows up, yeah, is so on point. Or it rains a castamere, yeah, Jenny's song. You know, these are the moments are tied to the music, mm-hmm. and Marvel has that a few times, but not to the same extent. I don't think. Can we talk about?
2: The So, you talked about how things feel earned, yeah. and I or don't feel earned in Game of Thrones, and I agree with that, but I think it's because of choices they make narratively, and I'm not talking, because I can, I agree with that Daenerys' Switch is kind of bullshit, like it's yeah. not very developed, but I would buy it in a different case, like, yeah. I imagine the books will develop it more if they ever come out, but uh, I think there are some narrative choices that they could have made that would have felt earned. Like, I feel like if John had a different story in this season and um, it would have felt earned because of everything. I don't feel like, I feel like the setup one through six will back choices they make in seven and eight. But they did not make those choices in seven and eight,
1: I feel like, for the most part. Do you want to get into specifics? Yeah, yeah, we can, I guess. I think it
2: would be better to talk about like, Season 7, missteps of season 7, then leading into missteps of season 8, but whatever.
1: Well, I just think... I've never disliked Daenerys, but she's never been... Like, I've always liked Tyrion and Jon Snow and Jaime more. So, I'm trying to, like, put myself in the shoes of someone whose favorite character is Daenerys. Someone who named their daughter Khaleesi or got, like, a giant dragon tattoo on her back. And to watch her be a hero who was maybe a little more violent than Jon Snow, but was still persecuting evil men as Tyrion outlines in this episode for eight seasons or for seven seasons and three, four episodes. And then to watch her switch for no reason, like, it's just so frustrating. (laughs) I don't know. It's
0: It's a weird situation because so many of the characters in Game of Thrones are so likable. And so many of them are their own main characters to each story. Like To one person, Jon Snow is the main character. To another, Daenerys is the main character. To another, Arya is the main character. It's really hard to pinpoint what makes the show special to certain people. Because (laughs) it will be a different answer for everyone. And I think that they somehow managed to make it unhappy for everyone. I agree.
2: (laughs) To compare and contrast to Endgame, how it ended, I think the best thing to analyze and talk about would be the climax of character arcs. Because I feel like both stories rely, because they're so long and they're so popular, they rely on their characters. And I feel like all the characters in Avengers, for the most part, I like I can't think of one that I'm upset about yeah. that might not be developed further. Uh, and all the characters in Game of Thrones that I'm upset about, they're very
1: contrasting. I think Jon Snow and Captain America are actually, like, really good examples to compare. Because if yeah. you think about it, they both end where they started. Yeah. And,
0: and, and they're very similar characters. Yeah.
1: And I don't... We did a lot of theorizing for how Endgame was going to happen. I think all mm-hmm. of us kind of predicted that time travel would be a part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That wasn't uncommon. But as far as I'm aware, none of us predicted him going back and spending his life with Peggy. But then you see that happen, and it's like, of course... Of course he goes back to the time where he belongs. That, of course he goes back to her. And they set that up through the entire franchise. And they set it up in the final movie. Yeah. When yeah. you have that long, not long take, but that extended shot of him looking at Carter after seeing that picture. You have, like I said, the setup in the previous movies when she dies or when she he goes and visits her. She dies in Civil War and then he visits her in Winter Soldier, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she dies in Civil War. Yeah, she
1: dies in Civil War. Right?
0: Or funerals in Civil War, Yes, yeah. Which is a great scene. It is a great scene.
1: And it makes sense for him to go back to where he began, but then Jon Snow to go back to the Night's Watch? Like, are you kidding me? I just... Uh, ugh. In a way, I think it's...
0: What Jon... Oh, poor Ethan. <laughs> in a way, I think it's what John himself would want. It didn't look like it. It didn't yeah, look like his face like it. the entire time. It he did looked not very look like it. happy. But that's the thing. Earlier in the season, he's like to torment, I wish I could go back with you. Everything in his performance in that moment is like, he doesn't want to go to King's Landing. He wants to stay in the North.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's contrasting even within and, three episodes. And I
0: don't get why they didn't make that a more pleasing ending for John because it's supposed to be bittersweet. sweet. But earlier, two episodes ago, three episodes ago, it, it sets it up as though this is what, where John's meant to be. His whole life was being a part of the Night Watch and fighting the Night King. That is his whole life. And now, because that doesn't exist anymore, I think it makes sense for him to stay in the North, and yet they frame it in a good way and then a bad way. It doesn't make sense.
1: While we're on the point of John, did they do the Azora High Prophecy? Because hear me out. Ethan, you're the resident Game of Thrones fan. (laughs) Maybe not anymore. (laughs) The thing is, um, Azor Ahai sticks his sword in Nisa Nisa, pulls it out, it becomes Lightbringer. My theory, the end of the Long Night wasn't the White Walkers. It was Long Night represented tyranny. Mm -hmm. Notice the snow, which was actually ash, in the throne room during this moment. He stabs... Nissa, Daenerys. Daenerys. And then the swords melt. The Iron Throne is Lightbringer. Jon Snow is Azora High. Oh. <laughs> he goes back to the Night's Watch. God. <laughs> uh, hmm. I think you could turn the Azor High prophecy into anything. And it's so frustrating hmm. because people are like, it's in the books, but the showrunners didn't want to do it. In season seven... They make an explicit point. Melisandre and Missandei talk about it to Daenerys. They talk about Mm -hmm. how the pronoun isn't gendered. So Mm -hmm. it could be a male or a female, be a zora high. So that was well past the books. That was Dan. That was David and Dan. Mm -hmm. And they just ignored it? No, they, they definitely talk about it. Melisandre is introduced in
2: season two...
1: That's Stannis' whole arc. Yeah. He thinks
2: he's Azora High. Melisandra's introduced with the lines uh, Azora High, like just spouting the Azor High prophecy while burning people alive while Stannis holds a flaming sword. Because that is the Azora High prophecy literally characterizes probably maybe dozens of characters in this show. It characterizes Rhaegar, Targaryen, Melisandra, Stannis. And then I thought John,
0: thought Danny, <laughs> I thought, I thought Arya. What's even the point of Eric uh The Brotherhood of without Banners. What's even the point, Eric um, Dondarrion? He saved his life for Arya, I guess. I know Kill the but Night King. That, like, at the end, it pisses me off because at the end, when Arya kills the Night King, it's Melisandre is like, "All right, my work's done." That's exactly what I expected to happen. Yeah. It's like that's not what you told the audience, and it's like. I understand um, curbing expectations, but that doesn't mean that you go against what what you've been building up to for the sake of a shock moment of Arya killing the Night King, which I guess works for her arc.
1: I always make the point, you have to absorb what's there and you can't critique something for what it isn't. You have to critique something for what it is but i would argue there's so much foreshadowing and setup for things that didn't happen and so little setup for things that did happen yeah. so i feel less bad about critiquing what it could have been but since john i guess he kills Daenerys. i was going to say he kind of has nothing to do all of season 8 like yeah. why not have him die at the battle of winterfell you know what i mean uh, yeah i don't know
2: about that do I, don't th- know, I think it, i think it's I think, think he's there to kill parents. I just... It's, I not, gasp. it's oh, not... It's not It felt so hollow. Yeah, exactly. It felt so hollow. I don't think... This is what I wanted for John. I think John's character has always struggled with identity, with who he is. And I think there maybe is a way that's poetic to bring him back up north where he really wants to be because always talk about how he's got he's a wildling at heart and all that but I don't know the way they did it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't seem what it's what it's not what John wants it's not what any Tyrion literally says the line it was no one's happy yeah no one's happy and uh I don't It just blows my mind that they did this <laughs> I went from in a 20 minute span. I was like, John's gonna be king. John will assume what he's always been destined to do. Not that that's the only fate for him, but that's kind of what they set up, especially in this later seasons. And then 20 minutes later, he's at the Night's Watch doing what? Like, what are they going? Where are they going? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. why are they going up north? And I I still don't understand how seasons work, like, because that's all magic based. That's not George R. R. Martin has talked about how. Uh, it's a globe and it has se- it should have seasons like we do, but they've been thrown off because of things like the Night King and other magic beings. Yeah, but they don't address that. They don't address anything. I
1: don't. It's just so inconsistent and rushed.
0: What about the Valonqar theory? What What about again? I mean, nothing, yeah, Jamie, nothing. in my opinion, should be the one to kill Cersei.
2: Yeah, the Valonqar theory basically is the Valonqar, which means little brother, which. Cersei thought was Tyrion in her lo- whole life but many fans speculate it would be Jamie, would choke or quote choke the life out of her and that did not really happen
1: yeah and they like again they set that up in the show like if it's a book thing that they that David and D- Dan decide to ignore like that's one thing but, but they, they st- make a point to set it up in like season 5 yeah, they start season 5 with that scene yeah and like I guess maybe they're gonna make the argument that it's subverting your expectations. I hate that shit. <laughs> I, I know it's like they the Red Wedding is unpredictable, but you look back and it makes sense because Rob was yeah. making all the same mistakes as Ned Stark was. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. Lannisters sabotaging them in war, that makes sense. This season felt like it was being unpredictable, unpredictable to be unpredictable. The thing is I, I struggle with
2: the idea that George R. R. Martin is going to do this in his books. Because I don't understand a point for making Brand King for the North being independent, but the six other kingdoms being by themselves, like King of the six kingdoms, like what's the narrative? It drives me crazy. And then like characters like I'm Happy Sam is you know the Maester at King's Landing, but like things like I don't give a fuck about Braun. Oh my like, god, it was it, so it made why, me so mad. To why see does him he lie? Why does he hold Highgarden? And, and I don't.
0: The um. The thing about Game of Thrones at the beginning is it's chaotic, it's unpredictable, but you can trace every aspect of a character's actions. It seems yeah. calculated. It is yeah. calculated, and it's always—I've always said this—right, killing a character off is the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. in a TV show, especially when their arc is still happening. Yeah, like Rob, like Ned, like most of the characters they kill off in the beginning.
1: Thorsome here. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, the way that it um. Builds, it's never. It's always unpredictable and chaotic, but there's always a reason for it happening, mm-hmm. and whatever happens next is a product of everything that came before it. Yeah, and that is not season eight, and that is the biggest problem. Is that things happen? So the reason that the red wedding is satisfying is because you can trace everything that yeah. happens with, uh, with Rob. Ned Stark's death is satisfying because you can ch- trace every mistake he makes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you cannot do that. With you can even do it with Jon's death. Yeah, yeah, you mean. And you can't. You cannot do that with. I season. I struggle with
2: understanding the thematic consistency of the show. Like, what's the point? Like, at, least at the end of this episode, I'm like, what's the point? What are they yeah. trying to tell me? And you can make an argument. I'm okay with Game of Thrones doing a cyclical that. Humans
1: are cyclical, and that, but they don't set that up. It's not. It's not even cyclical because cyclical would be like letting Daenerys rule, and it's like this whole time we've thought tyrants, we've fought against tyrants, and yeah. then we ended up supporting a tyrant. No. And tyranny is cyclical. That's obviously a more depressing ending. Yeah. But this one, it's like, oh, <laughs> monarchies are okay as long as it's the people we like ruling, really. yeah. yeah. which is like. They what? even mock
0: democracy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, like my the, God. Fuck that moment. I w- that was like an out-of-body experience watching was, that it scene. It
2: was. weird. I, that, that whole scene, like watching all those people, I was like, I care for some of these people. A lot of these people, I don't know. And a yeah. lot of these people, I imagine the average fan doesn't know. Like Howling Reed's there, I'm pretty sure. Aaron? The Aaron kid? Like Robin Aaron. And then the Prince of Dorne. whoever the fuck that yeah, is. Yeah, we've never seen him before. I don't even know his name. Is he a Martell? I, I imagine so. Like, I don't even know... Whose son is he? I, I don't she know. She got locked up. He could be like a cousin. or. We
0: haven't been talking about Endgame enough. I don't think. Yeah, it's, it's well, I, think, right I think so. So, game to compare
2: it. to Endgame, there's a change. There is a change within the characters that makes sense and is satisfying. And when it does subvert expectations, I think they still are informed by this change. Like... uh Fat Thor, that's a subverted expectation or smart. Like I did not expect that, but at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, Thor isn't, Thor decides not to be a king and comes to senses or comes to realize his failures and smart Hulk has learned to grapple with the, or Bruce Banner has learned, learned to grapple with the Hulk. And I think that's satisfying and fulfills their arc in a way that was subverted like, I don't, think, I don't think people expected that. No one expected Fat Thor. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when they subvert expectations in Game of Thrones, it's more like, wouldn't it be cool if Blank did this? Or wouldn't it be cool if this happened?
0: Like, I think about... Just in Season 7 and 8, by the way. Like, specifically Season yeah, 7. And eight. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I just don't know how killing Daenerys and then running away yeah for however long their beards got longer i don't that could be a couple months that could be a couple of years like i don't know like i don't know how that's like i don't feel like that's that's satisfying at all or it's informed by his
1: character speaking of not being informed by his character can we talk about jamie for a little bit because he's he was probably my favorite character if not top three Mm -hmm. um i probably say john Tyrion him and it depends on the season i'm watching oh my god what happened again it's like i'm not a hundred percent against the idea of him returning to cersei Mm -hmm. like that flaw is his undoing but like the idea of him finally getting to be with brienne Mm -hmm. and he's with her for 20 minutes in a single episode and then leaves Mm -hmm. and like I mean, we we hope he's lying when he says he never cared about the people of King's Landing. But, like, that's a really messed up thing for everything his character has gone through. That's really messed up for Jamie to say. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, I don't want to be like, this would have been cooler, but, like, it would have been cooler if something like Cersei is going to kill Tyrion and he has to decide between his two siblings that he loves. And either way he makes a choice, that's still, like, giving him something to do as opposed to dying under rubble
2: it gives him a choice it yeah. makes us it gives the character a moment to decide what kind of character they are and i feel like season 8 doesn't give anyone a moment to decide that yeah john kills Daenerys, but he doesn't get to to decide who he wants to be his his thing has always been about his identity he's first a bastard he's a member of the night's watch then he's uh, is he a wildling is he the King of the North, is he a king? And then they don't let him decide. They're just like, you're going back to the Night's Watch. And he's like, I I don't know if he's happy. I don't know if he's sad. I'm pretty sure he's upset about it. And I just, I don't, it doesn't give a choice. And I'm okay with uh, a failed redemption arc. I'm okay with things not working out how I want them to be. But I do think if you're trying to make or trying to enforce some thematic part, something satisfying, you got to make the characters choose at some point, yeah. And they don't let them choose, and if they do, they choose something that is not earned or set up in the season.
0: I thought that Jamie was going to, I thought Cersei was gonna tell Jamie that she, she lied about the baby.
2: Yeah, well, and then what he the fuck? I thought so that. much. So, what's the point of the White Walkers? What's the point, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah.
1: They start the show and then what? I just, I, I hate it. I hate it all. <laughs> and like Cersei too, she's set up as like the big baddie, especially after the White Walkers are dead. I was always saying, like, it's kind of poetic that you spend the whole show worrying about the White Walkers and then in actuality, the last baddie is the political squabbling. It is this yep. final Lannister. Like, that could have been done well. But what she does is she sits outside the Red Keep. And she watches the city burn, and then she cries and dies from falling rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. That is nothing. This is the character that we watched her go through hell due to her father and her forced marriage. Uh-huh. That we saw go through hell with the shame scene. That we saw, in her own way, rise from the ashes and become queen of the first men and the Andals and whatever. And her character ends with her dying from falling rocks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. The Lannister, the stuff with the Lannisters makes me probably the most angry of the whole show.
0: On a different note, when Cap grabbed the hammer, I peed a little. <laughs> and I don't think that Game of Thrones could say that about the last season. I didn't pee at all while watching any of the episodes, and that is a bad thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, you mean it in a joke, but yeah, like, why... Why did I spend 45 minutes, 30 minutes of Avengers crying because I was either incredibly happy or just, like, incredibly moved by Iron Man's death or Captain America's conclusion? And I felt nothing during this. I felt nothing. I was was like, did I lose my sweatshirt? I was like, do I have time to look for it before we do the podcast? I was thinking about other shit. I wasn't thinking about that during the last episode of Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing I come down to is, like, what's the
2: point in, in Avengers, I never asked, like, what was the point of the climax of these characters? It made sense to me. It yeah. was set up. It was satisfying. Mm-hmm. It, I saw some growth in the character, and I understood why they made the critical choice they did at the end. And, uh, uh aren't really given a choice, and if they do, if they do make a choice, there's no setup. I just, I think that's the crucial difference between these two franchises and why Avengers was so satisfying. And, uh... Game of Thrones was a pile of
0: shit. Oh my God. <laughs> That's harsh. I mean, fair, but harsh.
1: So, I imagine many death pools are ruined with this final episode <laughs> when the person with the best stories ends up on the destroyed Iron Throne, Bran Stark.
0: They replaced a wheel with two wheels. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus, Bran. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought that it was going to be Arya when Tyrion was like, Who has a better story than the woman who killed the Night King? And that's not great. No, that's not, not set up no. well. I was like, Who in this room should say the other? <laughs> room? I was like,
2: Sansa, I guess, is probably yeah, the best. Though. And then I was like, But he's going to say John. And I'm like, Where's is John? Is John going to like walk out of like worm. The, the corner and say, Hey, what? Well, yeah. Me, maybe. And he says, Bran Stark. It, what, it's the season finale. Why waste time on Edmure giving a funny moment oh my to god, Edmure? I'm know, like, so angry. I'm like, uh, uh, I think like Bran wasn't even in season five. When I rewatch, if I ever rewatch this show, <laughs> I, oh my god, I will be like, is this what was always planned? I feel like in big franchises, you should always get a sense that everything was planned. And I think even if it was or wasn't, in Avengers, in Iron Man, like the things they say. The things they do, it seems like it's hinting at the future, and I don't know if Kevin Feige, in 2008, decided the end of Iron Man. I, actually, I could probably guarantee he didn't. But yeah. it makes sense, and I—if you want to justify that in Avengers they knew how Iron Man was going to die, I'm okay with that. You, there's there's reasons for that. But if if you're like, oh, in season one they set up for Bran to be a king, I, like I just don't I don't believe it. Like, I don't. I don't buy that for one minute. Like I didn't buy it. I still didn't buy it when they said he should be king. I was like, they're joking, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. he's
1: going to say, no, it shouldn't be me. Yeah,
0: I think that while they might have not known what the f- character's ending was, they knew, the, for the Marvel movies, they knew what the character's wants were, and they knew what the character's needs were. And that is the most important thing to concluding a character story, even if you don't know the end, mm-hmm. to know those two things. And Game of Thrones did not fulfill those two things. Mm-hmm. We know John's wants and needs. But he doesn't get either
2: Well, I, I feel like we don't at the end. I feel yeah. like I don't. John is John is nothing. Like, I knew I yeah. wants in the beginning of the show, and then because of no setup and uh, an ending that makes no sense to me, I, I'm just like, what did John get what he wanted all along? Like, this little smile he does at the end or whatever? I'm like, kind of. There's a way to tell John lives up north where he wants to be. Or even John becomes the Lord Commander. But like, Not letting
1: him decide is such a failure of storytelling. Have him there. And when they're... Have him not say anything. And they're trying to decide what to do with him. And have him say, may I make a suggestion? (laughs) And he come up with it. Because he realizes it's a compromise. Uh Don't have that discussion happen off screen. And then have Tyrion tell John in a prison cell. The Song of Ice and Fire. Jon Snow gets told where he ends up. Or like, or like they don't know where he is. They can't find him.
2: And then like in The Dark Knight Rises, like torments out of things, and he just walks onto like this little like farm or whatever. And like and like Ghost runs out, and then you see John, and he's standing there. He's like, you realize he chose to run to the north. Yeah, it's just like you're. That would be corny as
1: t- hell, but amazing. It'd be better than what we Tyrion got.
2: Tyrion doesn't get a choice. It's like you're the hand of the king. He's like all right, I guess I have to be.
1: I'm more okay with that because yeah, the really... idea of him being like, you have to fix everything. Like, yeah. He probably wants that. Yeah. Again, nothing is explicitly said because mm-hmm. the show doesn't know how to do setup anymore, apparently. How many times has Tyrion sat on that chair? I don't know, three, I guess. Has he been handling the king three times? I'm not going to lie. I did like the
2: moment of him fixing
0: the chairs. Like, I think it,
1: It like... Yeah. yeah. That's a good small comedy moment, like in this last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Not Edmure Tully... Knocking a sword on a
0: post. Or Sam being like, we should
1: have democracy, and everyone's laughing their
0: asses off. That's so stupid.
1: I think it's really important what the media we consume in this era says about this era, and the idea of a bunch of wealthy people laughing at the idea of democracy. Maybe it works in this show. You didn't even need to have the joke. I would have been okay with Don't the, have it uh, in there. You, didn't have the joke. <laughs> you don't have to go to democracy just because that's good, but don't fucking laugh at it on the biggest show of all time. I don't know. Things like that really bother me. Yeah. I I did not like anything <laughs>
2: about this episode. You liked Endgame? No, I did like Endgame. <laughs> so let's go. Pivot <laughs> back to Endgame. <laughs> Is there anything else to say about yeah, I think I'll say, for this season, I came in for, I did this thing where I called Declared Fan Being Group C. This is actually, I've been using it a lot. This is a term coined by Baldwin TV, which is a podcast group. But they, uh, so basically, I went in, I was like, I'm going to remove my expectations, remove my things. And that for that reason, I did enjoy a lot of parts of season seven, and I enjoyed some things, and I didn't hate the bells. Like, the f- fandom hates the bells, and I didn't hate hate the, that. So then I was only tuned in for the moments and then I feel like even in this last episode, I didn't get a moment. Like I didn't get I didn't I there's no moments in here that I was like, oh, that was cool. Like I like when John kills Daenerys. I just something just felt off and I was like, this yeah. is rushed. Like the whole like it's the climax of the story. One main character killing the other
1: and I I didn't completely buy it and I The Daenerys that freed the slaves of Essos, the Daenerys that locked away her dragons after they killed a single child (laughs) back in season five, the Daenerys that named Gendry the Lord Baratheon or whatever, it feels like a fundamentally different Daenerys than the one we see at the end. And that's not inherently bad. Walter White, at the end of Felina, is a fundamentally different character mm-hmm. than the one at the beginning of Breaking Bad. But we watched that transformation over five seasons, mm-hmm. with the last season being broken up into two. Yeah. We watched Daenerys turn bad over three episodes, barely... arguably one, yeah. 40 minutes worth of content, wow. do you the think main character of the show, Turning Bad. Do you think she
0: was lobbied by Starbucks? <laughs> I, Some people were
1: arguing that that was on purpose, as like promo material, and they no, took it out. I, 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 no, <laughs> I don't believe that. First, it's not true. <laughs> I come to
2: a conclusion. I was like, "How did the characters grow?" And uh, I don't know if John's ending really points to growth. I think he did grow because of things that happened in season six, five, all those. But when it comes to his ending, I don't grew. I don't feel like Jamie grew. Daenerys grew, but in a weird way. Uh, I I don't even think Arya's that like fundamentally that different.
1: I, I would argue her and Sansa had decent arcs. I don't like the way they end. I guess the, Sansa's hard think, to dislike because she didn't get a lot. I,
2: I agree with Sansa's, but I feel like Arya's arc is more like parabolic, and that's okay, but if you're going to make every character's arc in the series parabolic, like I feel like she's always been talked about, like she's always been about adventure. She's always been about yeah. challenging what's new in Then she chooses this, like, life of death, and then she goes back to it. I like that, but when every character is parabolic, it's like, what was the point of 76 hours of Game of Thrones?
0: I just want to say, I will say Arya is my favorite, probably top three. She's awesome, yeah. Yeah, probably one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character. And before this episode, and even parts of this episode, if you're an Arya fan... Seasons not that bad. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I I loved I, I love, love Ar- that Arya killed the Night King. I genuinely really love that. I think it I think it works. I think it can work.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to make the point. You keep saying we need to relay back to Endgame. Mm-hmm. That you have two main characters mm-hmm. in Endgame, where one evolves, one has like the best arc we've ever observed in a franchise, mm-hmm. Iron Man, and one never really changes. Yeah. He evolves, but at the end of the day, Captain America that has that final dance with Peggy after being the only one to stand up against Thanos's army Mm -hmm. in that one shot is the fundamentally same Captain America that jumped on that grenade in the first Avenger. That is the same character. He has evolved and he has grown and he has seen some shit and he has loved some people and he has lost some people, but he is the same character. Mm -hmm. He did that parabolic arc. Iron Man starts out as a selfish arms dealer, slowly transforms into someone worthy of wearing the suit that he has built and then makes the ultimate sacrifice in saving the universe basically and in a way it's satisfying to him because he can finally since 2008 since the franchise started he can finally rest as pepper Pot says uh-huh. that pretty closely aligns with Jon Snow and Daenerys you have a character that goes through a very Uh, almost flipped transition from good to evil. Mm -hmm. And you have a character who never really fundamentally changes. One just pulled it off in a way that felt earned because it was developed and one pulled it off or one didn't pull it off, basically.
2: Yeah. I don't know if it gets much better than that.
1: Ugh. I don't know. I think if I ever rewatch the show, I'm going to end with a long night because I like that episode. I do like that. And I'm going to pretend that Arya's (laughs) Arya's a <laughs> I would probably end with the Winds of Winter. I think... Oh, my God. I mean, I don't that's a long, long time ago. 2016. I
2: don't even think the Long Night... Is that really 2016? It, was, it might have been 2015. I don't even think the Long it. Night was satisfying. Immediately, we talked about I was like, the Night King's coming back. I'm calling it. And that uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: was wrong. And I was picking him up, and I was like, oh, well. <laughs> the idea that we never hear the words the Night King spoken after he's killed, like, again, is I know. pretty messed up. Why
2: have it? I just... I don't want to... I just don't understand the why to any of this. I understand the why to Endgame, where it's like, because it was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I
0: clapped. I clapped at Endgame.
1: Same. I, I cried. cried. I cried. I clapped. I cried. I, uh, do you have any other final points on either of these?
0: Jeanelle Monet should have sat in the Iron Throne.
1: Yeah. I love that picture she posted on Instagram. That would have made me more happy. <laughs> yeah, Jeanelle Monet uh, I do want to close with one point mm-hmm. if this is the end of our discussion in terms of game of thrones and in game we've been hard on david and dan yeah. these last few hours these last few years honestly mm-hmm. but i am very grateful for what they have given us i it's not that i don't read books but the, a song of ice and fire is not the kind of book i would read yeah. so this story would not have been on my radar if mm-hmm. it wasn't for mm-hmm. david and dan i'm incredibly grateful for the amazing storytelling that they showed us seasons one through six and nuggets of seven and eight um again night of the seven kingdoms is one of my favorite episodes of this show spoils of war was pretty good and to the cast and crew of game of thrones this has been similar to marvel a big part of my life for the last several years and i'm grateful for that even though it ended in a way I'm unsatisfied with, because I think a lot of people are gonna give David and Dan the Ryan Johnson treatment, yeah, and th- the way fan bases treat the people that create the content they love kind of makes me angry. Yeah, so I, I wanted mean, to make that point.
2: I think, in
1: contrast, I won't go that much into it, but Ryan
2: Johnson, like Dan and DB, created something we've loved. I don't know if Ryan Johnson is. Though. Ryan Johnson
1: created something I loved. <laughs> yeah, something you loved. I'm like, something a lot of people love. Yeah. They're just quieter than the people that hate it.
2: I, I, I don't know if I agree with that or I
0: will say that it's been... I'm really glad I jumped into Game of Thrones when I did. Because maybe, maybe I should have jumped into Season 6 all of it. Because you got to watch all the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> on time. But, but I will say that Game of Thrones... I don't think there will be a TV event quite like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Especially since Cable's dying. And I think that I loved Reddit, did the whole who will win the throne thing. I'm a part of two death pools. Pull- yeah. Pulls. Fender made three house guitars. So they made a Stark guitar, a Lancer guitar, <laughs> and, a, and a Targaryen guitar. And they're so fucking cool. That's <laughs> awesome. They have like the, the Targaryen one. has They chipped it so it has scales. It's like there will never be anything to that extent where it's like every single content i consume if it's guitar related it's video game related it's book related they're all going nuts about game of thrones you know and it's very it's it's been a hell of a ride and all rides have an end even if they're very disappointing end. Or
2: they go off a fucking
0: cliff. Yeah, or they go off the cliff. <laughs> a cliff. I'm, I'm trying to relate this to some kind of like roller coaster that I've been on. Ethan. It's like pirates when you see giant death at the end. The Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. When you see giant depth at the end, it's like oh fuck. Why was I here?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think an ending should spoil a great beginning and great middle. So I'm I'm not gonna look at Game of Thrones. Completely negatively, but I think it is important to learn the difference between a great ending and one that is not as satisfying, and I think this comparison between Avengers and Game of Thrones is clear in showing that.
1: I hate concluding with this, but you could have a bad ending, and then you can have an ending that makes some of the earlier content less palatable, and I'd argue Game of Thrones leads into the latter, yeah.
0: but you know it's pretty
1: palatable. What is pretty palatable, Ryan? Bring us into our newest section of the Terry well, Talks podcast. Welcome
0: to Sonic Watch. We are now going to talk about the new Sonic movie at every chance we get. Uh, this is becoming an exclusively Sonic. <laughs> both both of my co hosts went on their phones immediately. <laughs> this is our new. <laughs> this is our new segment where we talk about Sonic every time we have a podcast and any Sonic updates that come up. Um. so the Sonic the Hedgehog movie as I'm sure you guys
1: guys come on I'm sorry I, I'm, I'm I, responding to all the people texting me about Game of Thrones <laughs> I also don't care about Sonic <laughs> okay. tell me about Sonic what's so, happening
0: so the new Sonic trailer came out everyone loved the design so much that the company had to redo it uh, And Jim
2: Carrey oh Jim so Carrey funny Jim Carrey's it. just oh Jim Carrey's always been funny
0: I would like to compare it to another uh, fantastic um, video game movie that came out this year Detective Pikachu Detective Pikachu, solid three out of five. That's a different podcast. No, but I'm leading into to wait. So the design of the Pokemon, there's like some of them are kind of ugly. I'll admit that. Gengar, I think, is very ugly. Mewtwo's very ugly. But they're all like there's so much care and detail that went to Detective Pikachu. The art design, the production design. And uh, it's not a great movie. It's a fun movie. It's not a great movie. But you can tell that they cared. The Sonic movie is like a DeviantArt nightmare. (laughs) And I kind of love it. Okay. (laughs) But for the complete opposite reason of Detective Pikachu in the sense that it seems like they failed in every way. And I didn't know it was possible. And I'm going to see this movie and I'm going to love it for all the wrong reasons.
1: I thought this segment was you going to be telling us news about Sonic. Not you're just right. you you're talking right. about why you're, you're right, going you're to right. like Sonic. So,
0: um, the one guy from um, the Godzilla movie <laughs> 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 doesn't, like that the, doesn't like that people are complaining about the Sonic design. There's no Sonic news. There's no news about the Sonic. Okay, movie. well. We missed we missed the mark by a, like two weeks. The trailer came out two weeks ago. I wanted to do the podcast, but you wouldn't let me. <laughs> so, that's the Sonic watch. Stay tuned next time for when they (laughs) hopefully redesign the character and I have something to talk about. The movie's going to be bad no matter what. It's coming out November. September? I don't know. the November. 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 It's going to be a bad movie and it's going to have, hopefully he's going to have Nike shoes like the Spider-Man one. It might be written by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. We don't know that yet.
1: Phil Lord and Chris Miller Sonic movie would be probably good. (laughs) We do know.
0: It's written by the guy who did Shark Tale, which in my opinion... Who else could you get? No, 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 that's Detective Pikachu. I don't know who made the Sonic movie. <laughs> <laughs> I am well-researched. It's not like this was your idea to do a whole segment on the Sonic movie. I don't like the Sonic franchise. Thing. I just think it's so funny.
1: Well, we all... Do you have more points about Sonic? You lifted your hand like you were going to continue talking.
0: The Shadow the Hedgehog video game. There's a video game for Shadow? Yeah, he's ambivalent towards good and evil. There's a good path and an evil path. The president of the United States has a picture of him with Sonic and Shadow around his arms, and I think that's pretty beautiful.
1: I think Game of Thrones can learn something about democracy about <laughs> from that picture. Well <laughs> to close, I'm grateful. Joe and Anthony Russo. They made a lot of great movies. They threw a gay character in there. That was cool. Thank you, David and Dan making six seasons of an eight season show that were good. And thank you to Pod for showing us that he can sing because that was the last moment that I think everyone agreed. Game of Thrones was a good show.
0: And thank you, Sega, because they've never done wrong.
1: We're all clearly very tired and sad because one of our favorite shows has ended in a way we didn't like. As we come to a close, do you guys have anything you'd like to plug any Game of Thrones content you've been consuming, any MCU content you've been consuming, any content you've been creating, Ethan?
2: Yeah, I would watch, go watch All Shift X, Bald Move TV, Now You See It as a video essay about Game of Thrones. I think that will help. If you hate this season or love it, I think it'll help you cope with whatever feelings you're having. And it's helped with mine somewhat, but still depressing. But, you know,
0: just check it out. It's good content. Ryan? Um, I'm excited to see what HBO is going to do after Game of Thrones. Um, I'm curious. I, I to an extent, obviously the network's going to be, have some trouble bouncing back, but I think that I'm excited to see that, how the network's going to evolve since they're not tethered to the Game of Thrones yeah image anymore. I'm very excited for Watchmen and, um... Deadwood. I Deadwood? Yeah. That new Zendaya show mm-hmm. <laughs> looks good. Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully they release some great content
1: i want to plug a couple things um one of my friends bands connor mckee they just released an ep on spotify their band is soul human and the ep is called objects in space it's awesome give it a listen speaking of giving things a listen i have two other podcasts stories worth sharing which should have new interviews up soon and you have to watch this was that which actually just came back that's where me and my dear friend ted ryan we Uh, recommend a movie for each other to watch, and then discuss it the following week. And with that, I think we're going to close out this podcast. Our podcast art comes from Ted Ryan, and our intro song is Bistro by Mad Villain. Thank you guys for potting with me. Thank you to Anchor for making this podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Clayton Terry. I'm Ryan Terry. And I'm Ethan Terry. And we will see you next time. Gotta go fast!
2: (laughs) (laughs) And now our watch has ended.